Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Education Lady Podcast. We'll be right back with today's podcast guest, but we want to give a shout out to our partners, the Florida Coaches Coalition, We Coach, the Global Community of Women in High School Sports, and Vital Signs Wall of Fame. These are four great organizations. Check them out. Adam Deer Network. And now don't hit that fast forward button. Stay with us for the next three minutes and listen to our podcast sponsor shout outs because they're great products and you need to have them in your school too. We'll be right back. We want to thank Gipper for their support of the podcast. Go to gipper.com. See how athletic directors are creating world-class marketing content for their school social media channel. You can do it in seconds. Use our podcast code ADPOD10 and you'll get 10% off. That's gipper.com. We also want to thank Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. Go to hometownticketing.com. They're going to show you how to set up and sell tickets online for all of your events, athletic events, school plays, concerts, dances, even graduation. And the best part, every step of the way, you will have a dedicated client success manager that's providing you hands-on support. That's every step of the way. Go to hometownticketing.com right now and check it out. Simple and easy online ticketing. We also want to thank Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. You know, they're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. The Wall of Fame is an interactive touchscreen console that highlights your school's top performers, both past and present, in athletics, academics, and the arts, but it's so much more than that. The Wall of Fame is also an extensive content program that allows you to tell more compelling stories to better engage your audience. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com and check out their great products. And when you're ready to purchase, use the code vitalsignswalloffame.com slash Jake for a big t- discount. That's vitalsignswalloffame.com. We also want to say thank you to Huddle. Go to huddle.com and change the way you see the game. Huddle is going to provide your school, your coaches, your teams, and your athletes the tools they need to help your teams play at the highest level. Go to huddle.com and find a complete professional-grade solution for the challenges you face. We believe in sports, and teams believe in Huddle. Join the 6 million users and find out how to turn your school into a Huddle school. We also want to say thanks to Sideline Interactive, indoor score tables and video boards. Go to sidelineinteractive.com, schedule a live web demo, and see their tables and their boards in action. One of the best purchases I ever made was our Sideline indoor score table. It's just fantastic, and their customer service is second to none. Go to sidelineinteractive.com right now and schedule that demo. We also want to say thank you to Snap Mobile. Go to snapraise.com and check out their entire suite of um, platforms designed to help you do your job better. There's Snap Store, Snap Manage, Snap Connect, and of course, there's Snap Raise, their fundraising platform. We've used it with great success, and so can you. They even have a program where you can get your fundraise funding before you actually start your fundraiser. Nobody else offers that. So go to snapraise.com and get started. We want to thank Final Forms for their support. Go to finalforms.com and prepare for your best season ever. Whether you're an athletic director, an IT professional, or a superintendent, Final Forms is going to help your stakeholders, help your coaches, and they're going to help you with 
um, the eligibility with rosters and all the reports that come across your desk. It's time that you talk to a team that's walked in your shoes. For more information, go to finalforms.com slash Jake. That's finalforms.com slash Jake and get started with Final Forms. And we want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Athletic Surveys are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your whole program. Athletic directors typically only hear back from that 2%, that squeaky wheel parent or a frustrated athlete. And we need to hear back from them so we can affect change in our program. But Athletic Surveys connects you with the 98% that really love and support your program. And that's a tremendously valuable tool to have when you're talking to your principal, your school board, or that squeaky wheel parent. Go to athleticsurveys.com and get started today. Athletic Surveys. They'll help take your program from good to great. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We truly have a really cool guest today, Dr. Thomas Sawyer. Uh, if that name sounds familiar, it should. Uh, Dr. Sawyer is a regular contributor to the uh, NIAAA IAA magazine, uh, where he specializes in sharing uh, court cases revolving around risk management, maybe risk avoidance uh, for athletic directors. Uh, he's a retired faculty member at uh, Indiana State University in their graduate program. Uh, he's a multiple author. He truly is an expert in the area of uh, liability and avoiding liability for athletic directors. Dr. Thomas Sawyer, welcome to the Educational AD Podcast. Glad to be with you, Jake. Well, uh, as I shared with you, you know, I've read your column uh, for years in the uh, IAA magazine and uh, just really excited to have you on and share, uh, have you share your background and, and obviously some tips for uh, our listeners. But let's go and jump right in. Uh, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So give us a little bio where you were born, where you grew up, uh, even take us all the way back to your high school and college years. And then uh, we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about uh, your career some more. But what's the Thomas Sawyer story? I'm happy to do that. I was born and brought up in Oneonta, New York. That's in uh, the middle of the state, in, uh, in the southern part of the state. I lived there for from uh, <clears throat> 1946 until around uh, 1960. Uh, my father uh, worked for an electric company and moved uh, us from there to Norwich, New York, which was about 60 miles away. My high school years were in Norwich, New York. I played uh, football, volleyball, and uh, baseball while I was there. I went from there to uh, Springfield College, which... Uh, at the time, and still is today, uh, a leading physical education school in the United States. Uh, also, it's also known for YMCA work throughout the world. <clears throat> it is the only YMCA school. One time there was another school in the Chicago area that did YMCA work, but it went bankrupt. So Springfield is the only YMCA college left. I got my bachelor's degree from there, as well as my master's degree. 
and I got my doctorate from Virginia Poly Polytech Institute and State University, better known as the Hokies, uh, whose uh, women's basketball team uh, was in the Final Four this year and did pretty well. Uh, my doctorate is in education, <clears throat> higher education administration with an emphasis in community college. <clears throat> I uh, played football at uh, Springfield um, in my freshman year. I got hit pretty hard in the head and I decided that maybe I don't want to do this anymore. I, that time we didn't know what severe concussions were and uh, I had one of those severe concussions. Now that I'm older, I <laughs> realized what the heck it was, uh, but uh you know, it's interesting as we grow older, we find out some of the things that what we did when we were younger, we probably shouldn't have done, uh, but we learn the hard way as we all find out later on in life. Uh, so I, I gave up uh, football, but I wasn't good enough to play baseball at Springfield. So I got to know the coach very well and he made me manager. Well, that, I learned an awful lot of baseball, uh, probably more so than if I had played because I got to learn all of his strategies and he made me the junior varsity baseball coach as I was working on my uh, <clears throat> master's degree. So I had a good time with him. He was one of the people who had a great deal of influence upon what I did, as well as a professor who was there in high school, I had a Latin teacher I got a four-year scholarship in Latin, which uh, I didn't go on and continue on in Latin with my scholarship. I, I could have got a full-ride scholarship in, in academics uh, in the state of New York, uh, but I, I chose to go to a private institution in Massachusetts uh, <laughs> to the dismay of my mom and dad because <laughs> they're going to have to pay <laughs> private institution tuition. Uh, but anyway, uh, I also had a great influence. The uh, reason I went into physical education is because the physical education teacher at the time in Norwich was a, a graduate of Springfield and impressed upon me the, the importance of health and physical education. And I was very impressed by that. And he uh, got word uh, to back to Springfield how what a good kid I was and I don't know what he saw on me but uh, enough to get me into Springfield which back in those days was hard to get into private institutions unlike today where it's, uh, it's not easy anymore but it's, it's a lot easier today than it was back then uh, so and then I had a football coach uh, who and a baseball coach who were very influential upon me uh, in getting me into Springfield. <clears throat> so that was my high school days and my college days. And uh, as we all know, in the 60s, we had a little conflict out in Vietnam. And all of us in those days, and I'm sure, Jake, you remember, right, you carried a little card in your wallet. And if you didn't have that little card in your wallet, you got in trouble that little old draft card and you had a draft board and and you used to sit in a lounge and, and the 
dormitory and we'd sit there as they spun the little wheel. And as that wheel went around, your number would come up and that's when you'd get drafted. <laughs> I had a deferment. I was lucky enough to get a deferment to go to college because that wasn't guaranteed in those days. And I sweated the bullet to so I could go to college and I got a four-year deferment. Well, those four years came around and I wanted to go on and get my master's and had to sit through and see if I could do that. And I got a, I was out student teaching in the spring of my senior year and I still hadn't gotten that deferment. And it was four weeks, as I recall, four weeks before my time limit was up. And I got a call from Springfield from the Dean of the Graduate Studies. And he said, uh, would you be interested in a uh, two-year scholarship to go on and get your master's degree in sixth level? And I said, hey, well, yeah, I think I would, but I got a problem with the draft board. And he says, well, you won't have a problem if you accept this National Defense Scholarship. And I said, well, I think I'd uh, take that under consideration because <laughs> I really don't want to go to Vietnam. <laughs> so I took took them up on that offer. And I spent the had an opportunity to spend the next two years at Springfield, but I didn't actually spend two years because I had at the time at Springfield, I was working for the dean of uh, health and physical education and my graduate assistantship. Uh, and uh, he did a, a consulting job for Virginia Military Institute, which was a state institution, a military institution in Virginia. And uh, they were researching, uh, developing an intramural program for the institution. And I was also in charge of the intramural program at Springfield at the time from my uh, sophomore year through my graduate uh, studies. So he came back from that visit and he said, would you be interested, Tom, in uh, working at a military college? And I said, I'd be interested in anything. Keep me out of Vietnam. I'd, <laughs> you tell me what and I'll do it. <laughs> he says, well, I'm going to recommend you. They're going to bring one person in to interview and I'm going to recommend you as that person. And I think they'll take you down there and interview you. So do a good job for us. I said, well, Dr. Frost, I, I'll do the best I can for you. So I went down, <laughs> had a tour and looked it all over, looked pretty good. And took a ride up in the elevator to the superintendent's office, who was a former Marine general three-star and uh, was sitting in his office. We had the interview and I'm sitting there sweating like, you know what, didn't know what was going to happen. And he said, uh, Mr. Sawyer, are you uh, interested in uh, working for us here at uh, BMI? You've seen everything. We've seen you and we're, we're pretty anxious about maybe offering you a job. I said, well, his uh, name was Shell. I said, General Shell, I'm, uh, I'm sorry to say, I don't think I can take the job. Well, 
why not, sir, son? I said, well, the Army wants me. He was a, a former Marine general. The Army, he said, shut your mouth. The Army? We don't talk about the Army in this office. I said, I'm sorry, sir, but that's what, what I'll be drafted as. He said, no, you won't. <laughs> Give me your draft card. Of course, on a draft card, it had the name of the of the person in charge of your draft board. And lo and behold, the name was uh, former commanding sergeant uh, who was his commanding sergeant when he was in World War II. <laughs> so he calls him up and the guy's name was Shorty, <laughs> which I didn't know. I didn't know the guy anyway. Uh, other than I was shooting darts at him in my dormitory room. But uh, he calls him up and he says, Shorty, oh, General Shaw, I haven't heard from you in years. How are you doing, sir? And he said, I'm doing good, Shorty. What can I do for you, General? He says, well, I've, I've got this young man sitting here in front of me. And I'm down here at uh, Virginia Military Institute, and I'm the superintendent here, and I'm, I'm in... Uh, dire need of somebody to run our new intramural program and this guy can fit the bill well to do a hell of a job for us but he's got a problem and he says uh, well what's the problem he says well somebody's going to draft him into the army of all places for christ's sake in the army uh, well sir i'm sorry uh, how can i help you and he says it's you you're going to draft him into the army. What the hell's the matter with you, Shorty? <laughs> he said, sir, what's his name? Sawyer. Oh, well, right. He's going to be drafted here in about three weeks. And they said, well, say, how about you uh, drafting him in at, uh, to VMI to train uh, second lieutenants for the rest of the Vietnam conflict? Well, sir, uh, I've just marked that down on his... Uh, BYO sheet. Oh, what? well, that's very good, Shorty. You're doing well. Uh, how's your wife doing? Oh, she's doing fine. How about your son and daughter? Very well, sir. Say, I'm glad I could help you out. Well, very good, Shorty. Take care. Bye-bye. I'm sitting there with my mouth. I must have looked like I, I wish I had a picture of it because my jaw was sitting on my shoe because he just uh, protected my butt for the... The rest of the, I, I spent 10 years at BMI <laughs> and they paid for my doctorate. <laughs> so that was a great time. Anyway, enough of that. Well, wow. What an incredible uh, uh, background. And I do want to hear a little bit more, uh, but we're going to take our first break again for our listeners. Uh, our guest today is Dr. Thomas Sawyer. Uh, he's a retired professor. He's an author. He's an expert on uh, liability, risk management for athletic directors. Also, the regular contributor to the NIAAA's IAA um, column, every uh, issue on risk management. Let's take our first break, but we'll be back with some more. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to Gipper for their contributions to the Educational AD Podcast. Go to Gipper.com and see how athletic directors are creating world-class marketing content for their school's social media channels. 
You can do it in seconds on any device and you don't need any training. Use our code ADPOD10 and you'll get a big discount. That's gipper.com. Create custom content for your school's social media channel. We also want to thank Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. Go to hometownticketing.com. They're going to show you how to set up and sell your tickets online for all your events, not just athletics, but things like school plays and concerts, school dances, even graduation. And the best part, every step of the way, Hometown is going to assign you a dedicated client success manager to provide hands-on support every step of the way. That's every step of the way. Get started today. Go to hometownticketing.com. Simple and easy online ticketing. We also want to thank Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. You know, they're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. The Wall of Fame is an interactive touchscreen video console that will tell uh, your constituents the highlights of your top performers, both past and present in athletics, academics, and the arts. But it's so much more than that. The Wall of Fame is also an extensive content program that allows you to tell more compelling stories that will better engage your audience. Go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Check out their great products. And when you're ready to buy, use the link vitalsignswalloffame.com slash Jake, and they'll give you a big discount. That's Vital Signs Wall of Fame. Check them out today. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Once again, our guest is Dr. Thomas Sawyer. He's a retired faculty from Indiana State University, uh, also uh, the NIAAA uh, expert on risk management. Uh, Dr. Sawyer, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, are familiar with, you know, the, the history and the legacy of Springfield College, you know, kind of the cradle of physical education. Um, nowadays, it seems like a lot of undergraduate programs, <clears throat> the physical education major that you and I knew doesn't seem to exist. So here's my question. What are some things that you went through, some training courses that you went through as an undergrad at Springfield that you think are still particularly valuable to an athletic director today? Uh, anything come to mind? Well, <clears throat> A lot of the things that you and I went through, uh, uh, let's see, it's, it's at least 40 years, 45 years ago, uh, don't apply to what a, a current athletic director does. However, there are things that a current athletic director needs to know that coaches know or should know in regards to preparing athletes to participate in their various sports. For example, they need to know about strength training. They need to know about nutrition. They need to know what athletic trainers deal with, the muscle structure, the bone structure, the joint structures, and how the body functions. Those are the kinds of things that uh, we learned when we were going through physical education. We learned about anatomy and physiology. We learned about biomechanics. We learned about <clears throat> aspects of first aid and how we deal with injuries of the various 
aspects of the body. Uh, and that's what, that is not necessarily what you learn today to become a physical education teacher. Matter of fact, what they learn today to become physical education teachers. I wrote oh, a series of articles about the physically illiterate physical education teacher that we are producing today out of schools of physical education, which by the way, the only institutions that are producing physical education teachers under the label physical education are private institutions. Most of the state institutions have gone to a different term called kinesiology, which is a study of movement. And that's much different and they don't teach the skills. You and I, and I don't know where you went to school, Jake, but Springfield College, when I went through, we had 54 courses which were one-third of a credit, and in some cases, two-thirds of a credit, where you learned every imaginable skill there was at that time, because you were going to teach skills. And, you, and I had four dance classes. Man, I never danced so much in my life. I had four gymnastics classes. Yep. And I never, you know, I, I learned how to tumble. I learned how to jump on a four-inch balance beam. Yep. Oh, my gracious. They don't even teach gymnastics to these kids. They don't teach dance to these kids. They don't teach archery to these kids. It's just different. The, athlete, the kids that are coming out now that are going to be athletic directors need to be in programs that are sport management programs that have a, a minor in business administration. And then they have to take that minor in business administration and apply athletics to it and the management of athletic programs and how you take a finance class that you learned as a minor in business and apply it to sport and to athletic management. How do you take that finance class and apply it to sport finance? How do you take a management class and apply it to sport management, et cetera, et cetera? It's much different. Uh, let me go and jump in right there. Uh, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, you probably saw me nodding my head as you were going through your undergraduate curriculum. Uh, I went to, I graduated from Pacific university in Oregon, which was a private university. Oh, yes. they, they no longer have, yeah, they don't have a PE major. They it's now it's exercise science, but, um, right. here, here's, here's my question for you, you know, for many years, uh, and I'm not saying, you know, that's how we always did it and we should do it that way. But for many years, you know, you were a PE teacher, you probably coached. Uh, you did that for a few years. Uh, and at some point, maybe you got tapped on the shoulder by the principal and said, you know, hey, you should probably think about becoming an athletic director down the road. So you had that PE training and you kind of ended up learning the AD stuff through osmosis or through uh, trial and error. Uh, but you had that, um, whether it was eight, nine, 10, 15 years experience as a teacher, working with parents, working with kids, et cetera, uh, to become an AD. Now, 
Uh, the PE teacher curriculum has changed, as you alluded to. They also have undergraduate degrees in athletic administration. But here's the catch 22. When you graduate at 22 years of age with, you know, your undergrad, or maybe you even get a master's in athletic administration, very few schools are going to hire you as an AD because you don't have that practical experience. So it's kind of a catch 22. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on, on that situation? Or am I completely wrong? No, well, no, that's correct. Most of the programs across the United States and public schools, you're not going to get hired as a, an athletic director. You're going to get hired as a teacher first, as a certified teacher in something. And most likely it's going to be in physical education. And then you're going to be a coach. Then your master's degree is going to be in sport administration. Now, there are some private schools across the United States that would hire you as an athletic director without a teacher certification. Now, there's a teacher shortage. And that's opening a very interesting dilemma for public schools. We don't have people to fill these slots. So we're hiring people who aren't certified. So that's opening the door to allowing some people to come in who don't have teacher certification. Interesting dilemma. But today, uh, if I'm advising somebody who wants to become an athletic director and in the program we have through Grace College that I helped develop, we have people coming in who want to be athletic directors, but aren't certified teachers. We tell them you've got to become a certified teacher, then you get your master's degree in athletic administration. Then you can be, then you have an opportunity to become a athletic director and it might be that you start out in the middle school and then go to the high school and it might be that you start out as an assistant athletic director before you actually become the athletic director and oftentimes years ago what it was if you were the head basketball coach or the head football coach, you were also the athletic director. That's not a good situation. It's, it's never a good situation to have a coach combined with an athletic director. I've got nothing against coaches. I got nothing against combining things. However, when you combine an athletic director with a head coach, first of all, their first priority is going to be what they do on the field or the court. And then their second priority is going to be athletic director. And then they're going to have a tendency if they need something and they need money for it, they're going to give money to their first priority, which is the sport they coach. They'll say, Oh, I don't do that. You and I both know different than that. So those are bad situations. Now we're getting away from that. Even in the small colleges, we're getting away from that. We're hiring full-time athletic directors and not assigning it half a coach, half athletic director. 
which makes good sense. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. You know, you and I grew up in that age where the AD was typically head football, sometimes head basketball. Um, you'll still see it in pockets, and uh, I think it can work as long as there's a uh, a solid uh, assistant athletic director to you know kind of be there uh, managing events, things like that. But you're absolutely right. You know, just that appearance of uh, um, you know, hey, the football team is getting brand new uniforms again. Uh, and the basketball and baseball teams, you know, they've got five, six-year-old uniforms, you know, not, not what we call a best practice. For listeners, our guest today is Dr. Thomas Sawyer. He's the uh, regular contributor to the NIAAA's IAA Magazine column on risk management, risk avoidance for ADs. Uh, retired uh, professor, he's an author, uh, legal expert. We're going to take another quick break, but we're going to be back with some more uh, this is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to Huddle for their support of the podcast. Go to huddle.com and change the way you see the game. As a football coach, I used Huddle for years. But when I became an athletic director, I made sure our school was a Huddle school. And they gave our teams, our coaches, our athletes, the tools that they needed to play at the highest level. Go to huddle.com and you'll find a professional-grade solution to the challenges that you face as an AD. At Huddle, we believe in sports and teams believe in Huddle. Join the 6 million users and turn your school into a Huddle school. Also want to say thanks to Sideline Interactive, indoor score tables and video boards. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and schedule a live web demo and see their score tables and their scoreboards in action. It's one of the best purchases I ever made as an AD was our Sideline Interactive Indoor Scoring Table. We use it for home games, of course, but we also use it for pep rallies, for signing ceremonies. It's tremendously versatile, and their customer service is just outstanding. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and check out their products today. That's sidelineinteractive.com. We also want to say thanks to Snap Mobile. The landing site for Snap Mobile is snapraise.com. Check out their entire suite of platforms that are designed to help you as an AD do your job better. There's Snap Connect, Snap Store, Snap Manage, and of course, there's Snap Raise, their fundraising platform that we've used with great success, and so can you. They even have a program where you can get your funding before you actually start your fundraiser. I don't think anybody else offers that. Go to snapraise.com today and get started raising money that's snapraise.com welcome back we're visiting today with dr thomas sawyer he's a longtime uh, coach athletic director pe uh, teacher he's a retired professor at indiana state university uh, author of multiple books and he is an expert in the area of liability and risk management for athletic directors. He uh, uh, writes the uh, column uh, risk management in the NIAAA's IAA magazine. Uh, Dr. Sawyer, um, can you share with our listeners some cases that uh, you know you are aware of, you've been involved with over the years, where the school managed to avoid having to make that big payout 
because their AD, their coaches, you know, their department had done the right things. Uh, do you got a couple that come to mind? Yeah, before I actually talk about that aspect, let me uh, hit on a couple things that will, will help ADs and coaches uh, set in their mind uh, that because you work for a school corporation, a government agency, often you think you're protected because you're a government agency and that you can't be sued. Or if you are sued, you're gonna be protected because you're a government agency. There are certain things and certain types of risks that cannot be waived by the school, by the school board. And let me tell you what they are. And then I'll get into those other aspects that Jake asked about. First is known defects in equipment and facilities. If you know there's a defect and you're a coach and you know there's a defect in a piece of equipment or in your facility and you don't do something about it and somebody gets hurt, you're liable no matter what. So you need to tell somebody, you need to tell the athletic director that's the first person you tell. And the athletic director needs to tell his or her supervisor. You need to put that in writing. That's called notice, N-O-T-I-C-E, notice. So the athletic director knows it. If he or she does nothing about it, and you as the coach have done that, you have told them, verbally you have put it in writing and give them a copy of that you have given somebody else a copy of that in writing such as your assistant coach you're not off the hook but you have at least grounds to say i told you about this you did nothing about it and the athletic director needs to do the same thing. You pass it up to the principal, make a copy of it. Because that's a product liability lawsuit. Or if it's in the building itself, it's a premises lawsuit. Improper inspection or improper maintenance of a facility, indoor, outdoor, wherever. That again is the responsibility of the coach, the athletic director, the principal, ultimately the school board and the superintendent. Same thing goes, you put it in writing. inadequate supervision who supervises the locker room you send the kids back into the locker room after the game who supervises it 
got to be policies in regards to that. If you're a male coach of a female team, who supervises the locker room? Do you have a female coach to supervise when you go, when they go in? <coughs> if it's two males coaching a female team, do you have a female teacher? Do you have a female mother, whomever? Who supervises it? Policy must be in place. I don't know how many of you watched the LSU game with the ladies and you happen to watch that one young lady, I won't mention a name, who's an outstanding basketball player who kept pointing at her finger where the ring goes and putting it right in the face of the opposing team and then doing some other on sportsman like me. And if a fight hadn't happened, guess who's at fault? She's partially at fault. Who else would be at fault? The coach, the athletic director, ultimately the officials. And we could go right down the line as to Who's at fault? And again, you can be held liable for that. And that becomes staff negligence, coach negligence, inadequate supervision. So these are things that you're not going to be protected and say, hey, these I'm protected here. I'm waived. I've had a couple cases in the last uh, year or so where people have bought equipment for their weight rooms. And interesting enough, <laughs> in fact, I was really surprised. Uh, a couple of these came out of, um, they have taken uh, courses from the NIAAA and the CIAAA, which is the Canadian uh, <clears throat> Association. And one of the courses was uh, <clears throat> a, a liability course. And they learned in there that they're supposed to have somebody else install the equipment and not them. And they did that. They had somebody else install the equipment for them. So they bought it from a retailer. The retailer, in one case, the retailer installed the equipment. And in the other case, the manufacturer installed the equipment for the retailer. Well, the good thing about that is in the case where the retailer installed the equipment, the equipment was installed inappropriately and an injury occurred and the young man sued 
and he won his case. Well, he sued the school. He sued the coach, the school, and he <clears throat> failed to sue the retailer. The school countersued the retailer. They got a summary judgment and won against them. They, in other words, they won. They, they were knocked out of the case and the retailer lost because they didn't have anything to do with the installation. Their hands were clean. The other case where the manufacturer did it, they, in fact, one lost and a school won a summary judgment. And the issue with the retailer is they were supposed to have bolted this frame against the wall and they didn't. And the frame fell over on top of uh, two athletes when they put the weight on it. Oh, geez. See, <clears throat> and it was two different manufacturers, two different retailers. So, interestingly enough, recently in the state of Indiana, we had a golf case where they were having a fundraiser for a public, uh, for a high school. And they had a high school girl, uh, she was a sophomore. She was driving the beverage cart and she was along the side of the tea parked sitting in the beverage cart, guy on the tee, tees off, and he golfs like I do. I don't know, Jake's probably a great golfer. No, no, no. <laughs> and he ricocheted his shot and it hit her in the face. So she sues. She sues the individual she sues the golf club, a golf club, the golf course. She sues <clears throat> the organizers of the tournament. And she sues uh, the high school. She loses the case. It got appealed to the Supreme Court of Indiana. And their decision was that this was not intentional and that because in a game of golf, anything can happen. Everybody has different skills. This was not something intentional. And this was uh, commonplace in golf. 
So we're going to say that this was not negligence. And, and if this had been something intentional where he had turned and faced her and hit the ball and hit her in the face, well, then that would have been liable. But since he didn't do that, and this wasn't negligence on the part of what he did, therefore, it's not something that will cause liability. So she lost her case and the school was off. What I found interesting in the case though, which was not, uh, which wasn't brought into the case at all because this was a civil suit. She was 16 years old. The beverage cart had alcohol on it. And she's driving it and selling beverage and she's 16, not 21. <laughs> you would think the ABC people would have been on that one. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and again, you never want to see any, anyone get injured, but uh, as you know, this is you know, Captain Obvious here, um, you know, sports uh, participation or um, watching sports, being a fan, you know, there is that thing. We, I don't know if it's a legal term, but we use it all the time. There is uh, a degree of uh, assumption of risk, you know, participating. Well, that's or, what it is. Yeah, or being at that, being at that event. Um, you gave out some tips um, at the very beginning, which is great about, you know, coaches and how, you know, they have that degree of liability, you know, particularly if they're not, uh, if they know something exists. Um uh, I guess, uh, and I don't want to jump the gun here because we have our toolbox segment coming up, but um, what's one thing that you you can share in this segment from that, for an athletic director about, you know, you need to do this to help, you know, make your school, your department, your coaches, and you as an AD to help make you um, uh, suit proof you know people can sue but you know you don't want to be found liable um you know maybe one or two things jump out at you and again i'm not trying to steal from our toolbox segment at the end of the podcast well you, it depends on what that's an interesting question because it really depends on what you're doing uh you talked about, um, you know, locker room supervision and, and, you know, gender and that sort of thing, maybe from a um, facilities standpoint, uh, you know, what's a couple of, you know, facilities must do in this area for athletic directors? Well, from a facility standpoint, the coach and the athletic director should do this also should inspect their particular a facility, whether it be a court or whether it be a, a field, and look it over very carefully and make sure everything is where it should be, uh, particularly in a field. Let's say it rained very hard the night before. You want to go out and make sure that there is no heavy water or holes uh, that have been uh, <clears throat> that have developed because of the rain. Uh, and that happens with rain and on fields that uh, 
<clears throat> where the water is the drainage has come through and has left a gully or caused a gully to appear. So you want to check that field very carefully and make sure that you uh, have that all taken care of so you don't get anybody going in a hole, breaking an ankle. <clears throat> make sure all your pads are secured around your poles. Uh, so you need, and coaches, I'll be honest with you, coaches don't do that very carefully or do it at all. Uh, they leave that up to the officials to do. And to be honest with you, officials <laughs> don't do that. If you watch officials when they come out on a field, sometimes they do that and sometimes they don't. And that is their responsibility is to go out there and check to make sure the field is in good shape uh, or the court is in good shape. Uh, basketball officials, volleyball officials, etc. cetera. Uh, same with swimming officials when they come out to make sure the starting blocks are uh, secured and uh, the timers are uh, the pads are in there correctly. Uh, all that has to be done properly. Uh, yeah. Again, there's just so many things uh, that, you know, athletic directors, you know, talk with your coaches, do those facility walkthroughs, you know, make sure that, you know, things are as they should be. Uh, you, you don't want to be surprised. You don't want the kids to be surprised well, either. What you should have. And uh, which is interesting. I, we got projects that come in all the time from the, the <clears throat> Masters of Sport Athletic Administration. I got a project that came in uh, last week from a Canadian athletic director. And uh, his project uh, was a part of risk management. And what he has is he has a checklist for every one of his sports pre-game checklists for facilities that he has his sport has, has his uh, athletic him, he himself and his coach go over the facility as a checklist for each of the facilities. So his basketball coach, his football coach, his baseball, softball, et cetera, et cetera. The two of them go and check the facility and use this checklist and there's boxes and they check each one of the boxed areas to make sure they are safe. It's part of the risk management plan that he has, which I think that would be a good idea uh, to have for each one of his coaches and the athletic director to jointly go out and check that facility prior to play. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree. And again, an athletic director, if they're fortunate, that's all they do. They're not coaching. They're not teaching. You know, they're the athletic director. And there's a lot that goes with that. But by involving your head coaches, you know, tasking them uh, and helping them uh, to make sure that facility um, is is safe. It's a, as we like to say, a safe place uh, for student athletes. Just make it a part of your regular routine. Um it's well worth the time and effort that's going to go into that. Okay. Dr. Sawyer, this has just been so cool. Uh, you know, finally getting to meet you after reading your column for so many years and, you know, hearing some best practices, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always like to wrap up with the athletic director's toolbox. Now, you know, you're not an AD, but you certainly know your way around the world of athletics. 
We're going to take a quick break here from our final two sponsors, Final Forms and Athletic Surveys. And when we come back, I'm going to challenge you to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. So let's have that final word from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to find out what Dr. Thomas Sawyer is going to put into his new athletic director toolbox. We'll be right back. We want to say thanks to Final Forms for their support of the podcast. Whether you're an athletic director, an IT professional for a school or school district, or a school superintendent, Final Forms is going to help you have your best season ever. Final Forms can help you with all of your stakeholders, with reminders about school policies, and they can help parents with all the forms that are involved when you have an athlete in the house. Final Forms can help coaches with things like attendance and communication, and for athletic directors, Final Forms can help you with eligibility, with rosters, and all of the reports that come across your desk, uh, including preparing for safety and legal issues. You know, it's time that you talk to a team that's walked in your shoes, somebody who gets it. To take the next steps, go to finalforms.com slash Jake. That's finalforms.com slash Jake and get started with Final Forms. We also want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Athletic Surveys are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data to help you improve all the aspects of your athletic program. You know, athletic directors typically only get feedback from that 2%, uh, the squeaky wheel parent or the frustrated student athlete. And we need to hear back from them so we can affect positive changes in our programs. But we also need to hear from the 98% that really love and support our program. And that's where athletic surveys comes in. They can create a custom survey that will help you take the pulse of your parents and your student athletes or your coaches. To find out more, go to athleticsurveys.com and see all the things that they can do for you, you and your school. That's athleticsurveys.com. Well, it's that time of the podcast. We've been visiting with Dr. Thomas Sawyer, a uh, longtime uh, veteran of the professional world of educational-based athletics. He's an author. He's an expert in the area of uh, liability and risk management for athletic directors. Uh, and right now, I'm going to challenge him to send out a brand new AD on their very first job, but I'm only going to let him put three things in that toolbox. So, Dr. Sawyer, what three items are going to go into your new athletic director toolbox? And you're saying I can only put in three? Well, if you got four, give me four. Uh, I had one person give me nine once. So um, go ahead. What tools do you want to put in? How about if I give you six or seven? Let's do it. Okay, you're the doctor. Uh, well, I think every new athletic director should be an excellent communicator. I think he or she should be servant-minded. I think he or, should, he or she should be able to build meaningful relationships. This next one I think is extremely important. 
not take everything personal. This next one is also extremely important. Seeking help when needed, even if they don't think it's needed. And finally, understanding with empathy. If they put all of these in their toolbox, I think they have a good chance of being successful. Well, Dr. Sawyer, it's almost as if you've read uh, our two athletic director toolbox books, because uh, every one of those is, uh, you know, one of our uh, more frequent uh, toolbox suggestions. So it's great to get some validation from uh, someone like yourself that's been in the profession so very long. Uh, one of the things that I didn't do earlier, and uh, we're definitely going to do it now, if one of our listeners wanted to reach out, pick your brain a little bit more, uh, find some resources on uh, you know how to avoid <laughs> being liable, what's the best way that they can get a hold of you? Oh, well, they can, uh, I'll give you my email address. Thomas dot Sawyer, S-A-W-Y-E-R at live, L-I-V-E dot com. So that's uh, Thomas dot Sawyer at L-I-V-E dot com, live dot com. Correct. And uh, again, listeners, uh, every issue of the IAA uh, magazine, you can see Dr. Sawyer's column, you know, risk management. Um, again, Google him. He's got a number of books out there. Uh, Dr. Sawyer, thanks so much for spending time with us today on the Education Lady podcast and all the best moving forward. It was enjoyable. Glad to do it. Uh, Wish you all success. Really appreciate it. Some great information. For listeners, we do this just about every day, and we upload the Zoom videos to our Education Lady Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, as always, we appreciate your support and listening. Come back next time for another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Well, that was a lot of fun, and Dr. Sawyer is going to be joining us uh, in the future for a monthly segment on uh, risk management for ADs, very similar to our Tech Tuesdays, but it'll uh, just be once a month on risk management. Uh, we might call it the Risk Management Minute. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check out our partners uh, and our sponsors, and we'll see you next time on the Educational AD Podcast. Mm -hmm.